0: Mike Duffy called them the Boys in Short Pants. And they're both boys and girls, because I've seen Women and men. Hello, this is episode 25 of The Boys in Short Pants, the 26th episode and the second of the summer edition of uh, Me and Chan are kind of too busy to record a, a weekly episode and there's not enough going on, so we, uh, we do fewer. So this week we have uh, in town with us a special guest, uh, fresh from the Politicoast trenches of
1: British Columbia, Ian Bushfield. Thanks for having me. It's actually good to be out, even though apparently nothing's happening.
0: No, it's been real. I mean, except for the NDP leadership. Like, tons racing. are... Tons
1: happening in BC, and I'm like, fuck it, I'll go to Ottawa for a couple of weeks, but yeah. N- not no the, one, not exactly. No uh,
0: yeah, it's not exactly King's Landing here, it's more of a, uh, sort of a Dragonstone before this season, if you guys are...
2: Let's see how any of those references you can fit in during this, uh, during this episode.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, my, my favorite genre of Game of Thrones joke is just, like, very hacky, liberal, like, news-related jokes. Do you have an example oh, of this? I, oh, do I ever have examples <laughs> of this? So, like, um, Queen Circe thinks that uh, the White Walkers are uh, fake news. And, like, then everyone's like, oh, hashtag resist, that's so good. And yeah, anyway, because liberals are really dumb. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that's my take. So Let's <laughs> <That's> moving on. <laughs> we wanted to start with, uh, with uh, of course, the only arena that really matters in politics, Twitter. Um, and the recent fuffle, and you can tell that this is a summer, about whether it's okay that MPs block people or not. Uh, I think this might be short, because I think... Do we all agree that it's good that MPs block people?
1: Like, the story comes from the revelation Donald Trump's using his Twitter account, obviously, and blocking random people all the time. Yeah. But but wouldn't you kind of feel proud to be blocked by...
0: I mean, but a lot of people do, s-
1: right? So there was actually a lawsuit going forward in the United
2: States that sort of spurred this a little bit, where there was a class action of a couple of people who had been blocked by Trump, and were saying that because these, this is an official channel of communications, their rights were somehow being infringed upon on also, the basis of his blocking. Speaking
0: of very hacky liberal jokes, I think at one point also like some backbench Democratic House member uh, put forward a like act to make it like illegal to block people or delete tweets called the Kafifi Act, which is just, ah, like yes. really groan worthy, but there you go.
2: Yeah, the Kafifi and then he actually like spelt it out for, yes, like,
0: for Which is you gotta hand it to the like congressional staffers, uh up on our product like they have this up on our parliamentary staffers. His backronyms is something they do way better than us. Like just really shoehorning
1: in like <laughs> some some initialisms for well, things. Even the previous the Harper government for everything I would say Bad about it. They did have a creative act naming yeah. team. I mean, nothing versus... beats
0: like the USA Patriot Act, well, right? Sure. Like that was fucking amazing.
2: Like it's a piece of art. But anyway, I'm trying to think. I, I can remember going through the process of act naming at several points. I was really just spitballing around between political staffers, being like, "How about this name?"
0: So for like <laughs> no, for C fifty one, were you guys one? sort of like? hesitating between, like, Cobra or, like, <laughs> yeah. Venom or something. <laughs> that would have been pretty cool. That would have been also very appropriate for Blaney, because he already <laughs> looks like a supervillain. Like,
2: he's <laughs>
0: a very skeletal visage.
2: No, that one was just building off of uh, the 2001 Anti-Terrorism Act 2001, so that one got a particularly bland name, although um, there were see, less we're less bland name ones that came out of our department, for sure.
0: Uh, we see, we were talking about 2001 Anti-Terrorism Acts. There's the, you know, like... Why? Why stray from the classics? The Patriot, the USA Patriot Act, it's the best one ever. Could even
1: have the Canadian Patriot Act. You just weren't thinking.
2: Yeah, I feel just like, like there was a there. bit of a stigma around the Patriot Act name, but here good, we are. Good. So uh,
0: on the question of actually blocking people on Twitter as, as public figures, like I personally think it's fine. People are nuisances. Like I think it's acceptable to just give them <coughs> the, the
1: virtual boot. Well, and we've had so many stories recently of especially female and minority politicians getting harassed and all kinds of shit on Twitter, especially from the trolls and people who are just using puppet accounts and whatever. So I can see mass blocking them, whether at Canada or, you know, at foreign affairs should be blocking anything. Just turn notifications off on it.
0: Yeah, I, that would probably be wise anyway. But are there
1: any examples of like a
2: departmental Twitter account blocking someone or something that's not an MP? I
0: don't like what I like can within think the of. government.
2: Like I don't know that that's ever happened. I don't know that any like civil servant is sitting there blocking Canadians whose views <laughs> that they disagree with. Can I? Can we block B <laughs> <laughs> Okay. It wasn't Vival Peruni, it was actually Angry Citizen 123. Oh, I see, okay. Um, this Have we lo- told this story? No, we never had Oh,
0: one. well, we gotta tell this one.
2: Uh, so this is a reference to a Toronto Star article um, in which they accessed information, uh, the RCMP, regarding uh, any Twitter or Facebook accounts that they carried, and they got back two accounts at least... One was called Bebop Aruni. It was a Facebook account. And one was called Angry Citizen 123. And they were used so <laughs> operationally to a degree.
0: Not, not a cop 69. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and like Bebop Aruni was this Facebook account with like probably like six friends. And it had followed uh, and like was attending like a bunch of like activist things in and around Montreal. And had like penguins as its profile picture, and it's like Twitter interactions that they came up with were were like, "Hello friends, is anyone going to be bringing hot dogs? I am a student on a fixed (laughs) income, and I was wondering if there would be grub at this at this rally. Also, I have kids. Is anyone intending violence? (laughs) Like it was just brutal. I'm not a cop, by the way. (laughs) Starts a Twitter poll: Do you like drugs? (laughs) Like effectively what this was, so this came out during my time in the office, and what was particularly frustrating about this was there are probably like a dozen ATIP exemptions for this sort of thing, like operational methods, that it could have easily just been like axed entirely from the ATIP, but somehow the stupidest thing they do slipped out. Um, And their excuse was like, we don't use these accounts anymore, so it's fine to share, but they just looked really dumb as a result.
0: The name alone, they just, oh, Bebop aruni Like, yeah, that's a human name. <laughs> like, that's a name someone would name their kid. <laughs> Angry
2: Citizen One Two Three is well, also a very good like, one. Well, that one is like
0: dumb, but more believable. But like a Facebook account
2: called Bebop Aruni. with six friends and penguins yeah, as its profile like, picture. Come like, on. This is why when people make like these are like. The RCMP is surveilling people everywhere It's like incompetently. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes if Bebop Aruni is on your uh, friends request list, perhaps yeah. decline.
0: Yeah. Actually, I kind of want to be friends with him now. Or should we just be... Does <coughs> Bebop Aruni listen to the podcast, I wonder? <laughs> I doubt it. That'd be so good.
1: So I haven't been blocked by any politicians that I know of, but the most hilarious block I've had is when Rafi, the beloved children's entertainer and singer, BC-based, who sang the... Baby the Beluga Baby Baluga, song, yeah. uh, yeah. blocked block me on Twitter, oh. because he he likes to go on Twitter and advocate for green causes. He lives on the island, so he's about as he granola as yeah. you can get. And I was saying earlier how I rode the plane here with Elizabeth May, so it's been a very granola trip for me, <laughs> which is perfect coming from Vancouver. But <coughs> Rafi likes to go on Twitter and complain about how the Wi-Fi is going to give us all cancer, and oh, smart actually. meters are yeah. you know, going to also give us all cancer, because... I mean, electromagnetism and whatnot. yeah so i was like rappy just stop or something i wasn't a dick i don't think it's twitter so maybe he took it that way but yeah, now i'm blocked by twitter for telling him to stop being crazy about wi-fi
0: i'm blocked by arthur chu that's the only high profile block <laughs> i can think of but i think like everybody's blocked by arthur chu so it's like really not surprising i don't think i've ever interacted with a guy but uh there you go uh that, that's our our twitter <coughs> uh also yeah do we want to talk about like how twitter accounts get run oh yeah oh, no, no no so back up here i think
2: i think there's a little more nuance we had here so the globe and mail like so, some people have to been, me this is just so, so obvious it's <laughs> like hell yeah block everyone so there's the question of should mps be able to block whoever they want mm-hmm. which i think like Anyone deciding that this, like, a freedom of speech issue or any any of the others I think is wrong. Um, The other question is, is it it tactically a good idea? And having worked on campaigns where candidates block people, um, thinking of my MP back in Fort McMurray, David Jordaga, who didn't have a big community presence, uh, became fairly infamous in the rioting for blocking a lot of people. Yeah, I'm sure that'll really put his re-election in jeopardy (laughs) in Fort McMurray. I mean, it didn't put his re-election in jeopardy, but it certainly built a lot of bad press. So if you're one of the more niche candidates, or sorry, not niche, but uh, more borderline candidates where you only have a couple point margin, Mm -hmm. then I think it's more likely to draw negative press, especially if it's a lot of people, like anyone who disagrees with you. Like, there's really a fine line to be drawn
1: on how heavy you hit that block button.
0: But David Erdige, I don't think is in any, like, immediate danger for Well, us. but
1: if he... It's not necessarily that he faces not getting re-elected. It's that he might be stuck in the back benches of yeah. the or party just, for... Or well, was like, that, get, uh, that was already a given. Okay. So. What, what was
0: the uh, heritage minister's name in the last government? Shelley Glover? Lover. Yeah, she got, like, beaten in a nomination race. Which is, like, the first time that I can remember that a sitting cabinet member has been beaten in a nomination. Uh, which is, like, ouch, you know? Uh, yeah, she did.
2: I don't think so. Yeah,
0: Kevin Waugh has that seat now.
2: No, but she retired, I'm no, pretty sure. No,
0: she lost her nomination. I remember because I worked in that writing during uh, the federal election.
2: I know to double checked us, but I thought she retired. No. Um but yeah, I mean the point the point remains though, one way or another, is that if you're not beloved by your own constituents and Conservative base members yeah. there because value act it does put your nomination in jeopardy. But
0: like I think that's like a reasonable like this is a <laughs> different thing than like don't block indiscriminately than like should you block it all cuz i think everyone would agree that like there are certainly cases where it's appropriate it seems to me in light of your, your argument about tactics like muting might be a better option in the sense that like they don't have to know that you're not listening to them so but, like it's kind of like your tactic you've told me about that when you get like the ranting 20 minute phone calls that you just put the receiver down and just go back to whatever you were doing Yes, yes sir, of course. Yeah, and just sort of that, I mean, that that's sort of, the, that's what muting is, right? Like... So when you mute, you don't get the
2: notifications, right? but other people will still see the conversation. Mm-hmm. So the problem with that, as opposed to blocking, is when you're blocking, I presume if I were to check your post and you blocked Ian, I am not seeing Ian's post on your post. Or Ian can't post on your post. We're really, we're really deep in the weeds of yeah. posting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you blocked Ian, Ian can't see your post, and therefore he can't respond to the thread that your post is in. Mm-hmm. Right. So this has the effect of altering the dynamics of the conversation mm. to lessen the voice of trolls. And so if Ian posts every time and says, like, Laurent's a planted pot, that is no longer going to show up in the conversation. And so... For everyone else who follows you, it perhaps does them a benefit because they are also now not seeing the troll and yeah. not being subjected to that, be it you know, sexism, bigotry, violence, what have you. Or or just, you know, inane conversation that doesn't really advance it. So I, I think there is something to be said about just straight blocking people who yeah. are aren't being productive. because everyone,
1: everyone still has the right to send letters free to their MP, postage yep. paid. Yeah. They can call the offices and and you we, know, we read talk all to them. empty air for...
0: We, we read all of them. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, and, skim at the very least.
2: And you can certainly, uh, you can always, you know, create another account and still see what your MP
1: is saying, if that's very, very vital to your I need to know, know where the barbecues more. will be. Or what I do when I need to know what Raffi's doing, which is almost <laughs> never, is you open that private browser or something where you're not logged in, and you can X-files still see. x theme song starts
0: yeah. playing. <laughs>
1: it's easy to get around the block,
0: do you want to talk about, like, MP Twitter accounts and how they, they sort of
2: go? I mean, yeah, we can certainly talk about that briefly. I mean,
0: my, my experience with MP Twitter accounts has been uh, that the MP does it to sometimes greater or lesser effect and to sometimes so me waking up in cold sweat in the middle of the night, but...
2: So I don't have statistics on it, but it's a pretty even-ish split. I think more and more, uh, sort of the best practice is probably having an MP run their own. Yeah. Um, because... Twitter is about, or social media is about being social and about having your personality come through and about being, you know, dynamic and responsive and engaging. However, there are a lot of MPs who do this who get into trouble uh, with it because they don't vet their own tweets or they send out the wrong thing or they respond to things that they shouldn't. Or they accidentally
0: send out a DM as a tweet, which was one of our uh, strategic communications exam questions in uh, the first semester. I thought you were going with
2: Anthony Weiner on that one. Oh,
0: also, yeah, that's a good one too. Uh, God, that was, yeah, no, doubt, yeah. Make sure if you're sending DMs, make sure they're DMs, folks. That's a, I was going to go with
1: Andrew Weaver getting in fights with teachers over unions. Also great. Also, middle of the night too. Yeah. As I recall, it was like very late when. he was I mean, there. obviously Trump, but. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. its own brand yeah. that that's people funny. actually enjoy. It. Yeah. Yeah, Thank
0: so you. there's so Trump is like I think one or two tiers below drill at this point in like non-sequitur, nonsense, absurdist humor. Like it's like getting to a quite rarefied point and he may catch up to drill like relatively soon.
2: <coughs> so we have a handful of examples there of what goes wrong. When either the MP does, so we had uh, Weaver getting into inane fights with professors, we have uh Wiener. Uh, sending, sending out his, sending DMs. his namesake. I've seen John McCallum tweet, I don't know if this was him or one of his staffers, but tweet, like, an endless series of, po- series of pocket tweets. Hell yeah. And uh, just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, <"X-X-X-X-X-X-R-R-R-R." laughs> like, just nonsense. Oh, there's
0: there's the infamous uh, Keith Ellison, hell yeah, Benny Hanna, up in this bitch tweet, which was just one of the better ones. Uh,
2: there, there are also, um... Jason Kenny periodically gets in trouble with his tweets, um for some things that he probably should be sending or misrepresenting uh, Islamic religious festivals um, was one of them. Chris Alexander kind of backtracking
0: but that's less to do with bad Twitter yeah. practice more just bad Chris Alexander practice. Um, a dude. number
1: of years ago the labor uh, I think it was labor's treasure critic finance critic or whatever Ed Balls. Oh Ed Balls. Oh yeah. Hi, Ed, so Ed Balls. Yeah that's a famous one. And then one. it became Ed Balls Day. You know what was
0: made it the same thing just never really caught on here in the same oh.
1: way though. I don't think her name is as funny. No, I mean, Ed Balls admittedly... Hilarious. Yeah,
2: it's quite good. Derek Fildebrandt once got in trouble for responding to a constituent on Facebook that he'd clearly not read the message that they'd Uh, written. Ah, yeah, I remember that. uh, Saying, so the constituent question had written some sort of homophobic message about, I believe, Kathleen Mm Wynne, and he had written, (laughs) we need more good constituents like you, or something along these lines. Which he eventually retracted and said, like, "I, I didn't catch the the comment there Um, but so there is something to be said about oversight on your account and personally if I were to be running an MP's Twitter account right now what I would love is like a rule where if they think that it's like an edge case like send it to me first and I will uh, I'll tweet it out for you or like double check or run it it by whoever we need to run it by you're
0: then relying on their judgment to know if it's an edge case or not but Usually they're they're smart and can figure it out.
2: I mean the alternative that's a little further down that path is having the MP send everything they want to tweet to you. But the problem with that is it means that they're not engaging in Twitter conversations. It's also really
0: tedious yeah. for the staffer.
2: Yeah, so it depends on how much your MP wants to engage. If your MP is sending you know three tweets a day and that are just spontaneous thoughts that they're having sort of throughout the day, like oh the poutine in the cafeteria was good. Why don't, why don't you send this out? Like okay
1: sure. <laughs> I worked at one charity where we had a sort of check-a-tweet rule where a second staffer had to look at every tweet. And that made sure what we sent out was generally understandable, clear, and not open to misinterpretation. It also, like, killed the personality of our corporate Twitter account. Yes. But then our, like, chief exec or executive director would occasionally just tweet from home and respond to people from home. And those were edgier tweets. And we always knew they were hers because none of us had written them And they were snarkier than anything we would write with someone else checking it before we hit send Uh, So a good corporate example of
2: this is Wendy's Oh yeah Wendy's has been profiled a couple of times for their use of Twitter Denny's is even better I'm not familiar with Denny's but are you talking about food or... Well, the, no, they okay. tweets
0: as well. but yeah.
2: Wendy's has been pretty infamous in its, like, willingness to slam people. And, like, random people... Grand slamming? All... <laughs> oh, shit. No, that's Denny's. Fuck, I fucked it up. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, completely, I completely
0: blew that joke. Oh,
2: well. Okay, carry on. Sorry. You have to make a Baconator pun or something. Oh, yeah, or... I, I should have stayed frosty. That's not <laughs> yeah, <I don't> <laughs> There you go. Um, so, when, Wendy's is an example of this. I don't know how internally it works. Um, but it does, it does work, and someone clearly trusts the social media manager to sort of have the reins a little bit.
0: I would imagine it's like the scene in uh, A New Hope, where he's like, puts the visor on the guy, and he's like, trust, trust your, trust your instincts, he just like, blocks all the little shots from the little droid shooting lasers at him, just like, pure instinct posting. (laughs) The highest octane kind. Just raw animal energy in, in posting form.
2: I mean, you have to, you have to, like, social media bears with it some amount of risk, and so if you're going to make the most of social media, you have to, you have to have some sort of personal touch to it, otherwise no one will ever be interested in it. Same reason why, like, Government of Canada Twitter accounts are pretty awful.
0: Actually, the best Government of Canada Twitter (coughs) thing I can think of was when Environment Canada posted, like, Happy Penguin Day with a picture of a puffin. No, no, no,
2: it wasn't Environment Canada, it was... It was just Canada? No, it was, uh... Catherine McKenna. It was Catherine McKenna. Yeah,
0: that was incredibly funny. Like, I, I would have kept that up, like, with pride. Just tweeted corn cobs at everyone <laughs> who disagreed, like... Cyber corn. Yeah, it would have been so good. Uh, do we want to talk about the really bad uh, Rolling Stone piece? Actually, I may have prejudiced our discussion of it, but... <laughs> But yeah, no. You would you make a about, horrible pollster. Yeah, well, or actually, I would make a great pollster. Just not a
1: public one, like
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> or great. What book. do you What do you want the numbers to say? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Rolling Stone. They published a piece a couple weeks back about uh, the adventures of our beautiful shirtless prime minister and uh, his intrepid Royal Canadian Mountain
1: Police. And it was a cover piece, but did anyone here actually read it? I did not. Because I didn't. No. I read um, much of it. How do you, do you want to introduce us?
2: Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I have to confess I did not catch some of the more egregious errors in it. Um, one of which was reference to the Liberty Party rather yeah. than the Liberal Party. That's pretty bad,
0: to be honest.
2: And um, then the other one, reference to the Royal Canadian Mountain Police, yes, rather than the Mounted Police. So clearly the fact-checking was nice and tight. Yeah.
0: All right, Rolling Stone.
2: Rolling Stone has been uh, on a downward
1: spiral. Or, yeah, a little politics bit lately section has always not quite been up to par. <coughs> no,
0: they've, they've kind of missed a couple uh, fact checking calls in the past too.
1: Yeah, a couple big ones. Um, the story
2: itself was, you know, another in a long line of fawning tweet or fawning pieces about our beautiful, handsome, dreamy. Why can't he be? Tr- uh, why can't he be our president? Pieces. There have been a good degree of them. Um, the conversation that came afterwards, sort of the spinoff conversation here was, uh, for better or for worse, was the conservatives slamming the liberals for, mostly for the headline, um, as antagonizing of the Trump administration at a time when the NAFTA talks were. Yeah,
0: and about- I, Of course, I'm sure Justin Trudeau had, like, immense personal input into the headlines of the Rolling Stone. Deceptive.
1: And the specific timing of the article. Oh,
0: yeah, no, it was all his control. Yeah, 100%.
1: So, I'm
2: going to put you guys down as skeptical of the conservative position on this one. I
0: mean, I, I find that the, the Andrew Sheer leadership thus far with this kind of thing has not been encouraging. Where it's just like, jump on something and like, hang on like a rabid dog. Are they still uh,
1: complaining about Cotter? Probably,
0: probably. Yeah, the outrage tour. Um, I, I find that it's not very effective and people are going to get tired of it quickly. Uh, which is unfortunate because they need to kind of make this stuff last to 2019. So if everyone's sort of, like, used to the conservatives operating at 11 all the time in terms of, like, you know, frothing at the mouth outrage, it's not actually going to be very effective.
1: I think there's lots to pick apart here, and I think the sort of foreign (coughs) press puff pieces about Justin Trudeau, I mean, it plays into the narrative that the the conservatives were trying to run with in 2015, which is Trudeau's all fluff, right? He's all image, all style, no substance. And... The NDP can push that right now. The Conservatives can push it from the other side just as much because you'd look and go, what has he actually done?
0: Yeah, a couple
1: things. (laughs) A couple things, but, but, you know. You can point to
0: a lot of things he hasn't done or a lot of things he's done wrong and that kind of thing.
2: I mean, I think that's a strong narrative, and I think that's a narrative... Like, at, at some point here, you have to wonder, when do these photo ops start to hurt him more than they help him? At what point does the Canadian public generally say
0: Like we're tired of this?
2: We're tired of this. Like I'm still struggling economically or I'm having this issue or that issue and our Prime Minister's been gallivanting all over the world yeah. and I every night on the news I see videos of people fawning over him but I don't seem doing a lot of work. I mean, what at what point will this come? I don't know. It could it could be too late, it could be as like general distaste of prime ministers starts to wind up in like the eighth year of their term. And at that point, it's too late. Uh, but I, I think there is certainly a constituency here, perhaps more on the progressive side, and perhaps a little bit on the uh, the right, uh, sort of the red-blue mix, saying like, OK, we want someone who's you know engaged on economic issues. And I just don't see Trudeau as engaged on economic issues.
1: Well, all you have to do is point to is ballooning deficits, right? That's a strong narrative for the conservatives at this point, because <laughs> Trudeau ran on this. I'll have a manageable deficit, and now it's just kind of like, yeah, fuck it. Not
0: that it particularly matters one way or the other. Yeah, but yeah.
1: But it's In a strong narrative for world, conservatives. But yes,
0: generally. I mean because they've they, been feeding people the myth that like deficits matter. Oh, and
2: this well. is Laurent's take on things. Just print money,
0: you stupid fucks! Ugh.
1: It's not how real world works. It absolutely is. But so there was a spin-off debate over this article cuz one of the comments Trudeau made in it was about his fight with Patrick Brazo this. Oh, that was senator. gross. Yeah, yeah, I remember
0: that. Yeah, that was a weird comment. Well,
1: Trudeau made these comments about like he chose Brazo because he was like the perfect person <laughs> to beat up on.
0: Which is weird to me that like you think for Brazo it would be more the case. Like Brazo would look like, "Oh yeah, hell yeah, just beat the shit out of some like you know, privileged.
1: Preppy white boy. Preppy
0: white boy. And it's like, I can't imagine being like, like, villain, like, unless you're like the prep school villain from like an 80s, like, you know, teen movie, like, thinking, like, ah, oh, yes, the perfect foil to my rich kiddingness is like beating the shit out of a poor. It's like, seems, seems like bad optics, right? I don't know.
2: I mean, especially at that time, uh, let's put Brazo in context. Uh, At this time, he was one of the youngest senators. Yeah, and like
0: not a joke yet.
2: He was uh, put it politely (laughs) a young Indigenous man who was heading up or who had headed up one of the nation's largest Indigenous uh, organizations. Um, So beyond beyond their backgrounds, perhaps the foil was more in appearance. Yeah, Um, he's obviously like a bigger guy, like. Dark long hair, Trudeau had, I guess, dark well, and short the whole, hair. I, speaking
0: of the hair, too, there was the whole thing about, like, oh, like, winner gives the other person a haircut, which, like, in indigenous culture, like, getting your, your haircut is, like, you know, symbolizes defeat. Yeah. So that, like, super humiliating, and it was like, that seems kind of fucked up, but there you go.
2: And I, I've seen pieces where it talks about, like, Trudeau insisted on this, but, like, clearly. Like, my opinion on it is, like, clearly Brazzo wasn't too concerned about it, because... No, he
0: did it. Like, like, he...
2: I'm yeah. sure if he'd pushed back, he he certainly could have removed that yeah. from the charity boxing. It's not like... It's not like he had no other options here, right? No, but so. at the same
0: time, like, I just think it's a weird thing to ask for, knowing the cultural context of that. But, I mean... What but, assume he knew it. Like, yeah, if, yeah, if, yeah, if
2: he didn't know it, true, though, but. and you're, you know, sitting across the table with a guy with the ponytail, and you're known for being the prancing pony... Then, who said, like, nice hair became your slogan. Then picking on someone's hair, uh, arguably one of the centerpieces of their appearance, is not a hard choice to make. No. Like, um, like college bets happen around haircuts. Like, the, the alternative here would be, like, let's shave both their eyebrows. Like Less acceptable for parliamentarians to be doing.
0: I would actually love to see Justin Trudeau rise his eyebrows now. That sounds very, very, very funny and satisfying to me. Like to
1: give Trudeau the benefit of the doubt or the most charitable interpretation, he's apologized for the Rolling Stone comments since, and this doesn't feel like you know Trudeau the hyper racist anti Indigenous no, person, I, I don't but the think sort of like is. typical Trudeau foot and mouth disease. Yeah, it's of,
0: sort, of, sort of like Trudeau thoughtlessness, which has happened like a like, lot over the course of the last couple of years. Like, like I find inevitably. When he is unscripted, he is bad and will fuck up um, almost every time. Like, how has
1: no one pointed out how much he says um and on? Ah like, that, 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 okay. that drives it's my partner so absolutely so It's <coughs> <frustrating laughs> to listen to public speak. Yeah,
2: it's, it's very annoying.
1: Because people think he's good
2: at it. Yeah. If, uh, if you want something to Google, Google uh, Trudeau Oscar-worthy speech. It is. It is phenomenal. It's Trudeau speaking when he was, like, a full drama teacher and had, like, the flowing locks, and it's set to music. It's It's really hard. It's so
0: hard to watch. I feel bad (laughs) for him watching it, and that's a very rare thing for me.
2: It's just perfect. Oh,
0: it's hard. Yeah, anyway, uh, do we uh, want to move on to our our good friends? Is that... Do we want to talk about more with the, the Rolling Stone thing?
2: No, I think I think we've covered yeah, all, okay. all the main issues. There's let's, only so much we can beat this dead horse.
0: Let's, let's yeah, seriously. Let's move on to our, our good friends in in the Middle East, our friends and allies. Uh, Qatar. The, yes, them too. But, Qatar. Uh, the the Saudis.
2: The Saudis. The
0: Jeep
1: buyers. So this was the deal started by well, the Harper government. Well,
0: it's, it's, or to clarify, today. it's a, okay. it's a private deal. Like it is, right. the Saudi government is buying Jeeps. Uh, Light armored vehicles from uh, a private company, General Dynamics.
2: These ones, if I'm not mistaken, I have to check my facts here, but the ones involved in the latest story aren't General Dynamics. Oh, really? No, they're they're another. Let's not call
0: them. (laughs) 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 Labs. Labs.
2: So these labs, I believe, are from an earlier contract. I I, I, I doubt many of the ones have rate. been delivered from At any right. the one that was in the news right. earlier point, this year.
0: The point is that um, when this deal sort of got, you know, like first floated, people said, you know, there are potential human rights concerns. <coughs> no party no major party did themselves any credit on this, I might add, including my own, because everyone supported it, uh, with, you know, a greater or lesser amount of reservations. Unions Yeah, because no, Unions. That, that's hundred percent what it is. Uh, and i am like very willing to cop to that, and I thought that was a bad decision at the time and still think it's a bad decision and we're now seeing the fruit of it Uh, in fact lots of people in the party were very unhappy about that decision uh but at any rate uh it turns out that the saudis uh who would have who could have guessed except for everyone who warned about this are now using light armored vehicles sold to them by western countries to you know crush their own people and conduct a war of aggression in yemen where there's, like, the largest cholera outbreak and famine currently ongoing in the world. And (laughs) anyway, suffice to say, these are our good friends. And, of course, they are doing exactly what everyone thought they would be doing. And uh, the Trudeau government now has to wear it because not only did they allow the original contract to go through despite, you know, objections, they also, as we've discussed on the podcast before, eased export restrictions to sort of uh, limit the scope of human rights and that kind of analysis in selling these. Um, there also, Stefan Dion did not do himself a lot of credit on this file either, uh, by sort of obfuscating and dodging around the question of had he approved the export permits or not, and kind of retroactively realizing, oh yes, actually I did.
1: Whoops. Oh, that thing I signed that other day. On. Yeah, no, that's oh, what that's that a, was. A,
0: yeah, I thought that was a lunch order. Uh, but yeah, I know. So they did not do themselves any favors there. Uh, do Tiana? I know you're generally a sell things to people kind of Pro guy. Pro-war, pro-war, <laughs> right? That's your thing. <laughs>
2: I mean, pro-war, arguably, that's not war. pro um, <laughs> I mean, my take on the Saudis generally is, like, I always have trouble rationalizing the conventional, and it's probably because I, I just don't know enough about it, the, the conventional opinion, both in Ottawa and Washington, about the importance of the Saudis as an ally this is so
0: weird coming from you. But carry on, keep going. <laughs> I don't want to stop you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> is I've heard bits and pieces. I've never like sat down with a proper expert on Saudi Arabia to discuss like what all they offer Canada in terms of their strategic importance in the region yeah. and, and stuff like that for why we are so committed to them as an ally. Have
0: you heard the, the sort of dead man switch theory of this? Do you guys are familiar with the Dead Man Switch? I love bit. So Dead Man Switch, for those of you who are, are not familiar with the idea, is basically like a fail-safe when, when someone dies that you know it sort of sets other events in motion. So I think the the idea with this is that it's not necessarily that Saudi Arabia is a great ally, because I think, you know, orbs aside, uh, <laughs> we can probably agree that they, they're pretty bad in a lot of ways. But it's the idea that, like... If you don't support us, we are incompetent, inbred, syphilitic fools and will collapse given, you know, a gust of wind, especially given the enormous amounts of money <coughs> funneled into Wahhabist uh, and fundamentalist, extremist, violent, etc. As many adjectives as you like, sort of um, branches of, of Islam. And... From that you say, okay, so you guys leave and you, know, you don't want to do business with us anymore. We are going to be knocked over like a feather and you're not going to like what happens. Is sort of like a compelling argument in the sense that you can't afford to have them collapse and they probably would without enormous Western support because they, once again, they are you know, corrupt and bred and syphilitic. Okay. The ruling family, I might It's
1: add. sort of the argument for not going into Iraq because at least Saddam Hussein kept the peace.
2: Yeah, except sort the opposite. Yeah. Except instead of being a
1: secular dictator, yeah. it's a religious fascist dictator.
2: So my problem with that argument is that is an argument for. I'm not man- saying I necessarily
0: buy it. I'm just no, but that, that's that it's good. Yeah.
2: that's an argument for maintaining them in some form. It's yeah. not a good argument for actively engaging with them on a day to day basis. Well, certainly, like which,
0: refueling their planes on the way to bomb Yemeni children is not great. Um, which
2: which is something we do. It is. It is. It 100% that's is. Not, that's not what my statement was referring to. You're not wrong. <coughs> More. So often, what's pointed to, and this is why I, I have trouble quantifying it because it's obviously behind closed doors it's cooperation on uh issues like terrorism on intelligence but it's... once again though
0: right like it's hard to say like saudi arabia gives us a huge bang for our buck on counterterrorism and intelligence when they like everyone knows that they fund like tons of wahhabist groups
2: yes but it's in different spheres so that's so good. No, 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 but no, but here's here's. It,
0: but it's somewhere else. It doesn't matter. No, they fund al Qaeda,
2: but then they tell us what al Qaeda is doing, so it's okay. It's so the, there's a very strong dynamic, and this is what people in Washington point to, especially, is that um, they give basically invaluable intel on terrorism, things like that, to the United States on like a daily basis, and that cutting off that spigot would be a great loss, and certainly like what regional player in the Middle East does not have you know, its fingers in some pies that the United States or Western allies would disagree with? The answer is they all do. Um, and
0: therefore, I think we should re-engage with Iran. And and, and so there's also... <laughs> that, that's the other part I wanted
2: to get to. There's also a lesser of two evils approach yeah. to it, which is saying uh, Saudi, the Saudis and Iran are the two big regional players. Yeah. And so... Is it in the West's best interest to have one regional power substantially stronger than the other, or as they near equality, you create this situation for more regional conflicts?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, certainly we've sh- we've seen that like the the current. Approach like certainly begets lots of lots of peace and prosperity in the region. So, so. I mean, I don't
2: think you'll find anyone who doesn't say their mis- mistakes were made uh, to some degree well, by that, every president. That yeah, but there's a dabbled. difference between
0: like mistakes were made on the sort of like uh whoops, I guess uh, we shouldn't have invaded Iraq then. That was a terrible idea. And people who are like ah, but if we had done it better, it would have worked great. And those people are really dumb.
2: I. Disagree with that. Really? Um I would say not not that there was a great phenomenal way to invade Iraq. But once Obama takes over and once the chips are on the table and you're in there, um you can pull out, which he did, in a very unstructured way, and things went to pieces. Yeah. Um we've I know we've personally talked about this before, using Libya as an example. Yeah. Where when you're going to intervene somewhere, you then have to have the political will to carry through. Yeah, which no one does. When because it's when your generals turn to you and say, "Here, listen, this is our counterinsurgency plan. This is how we stabilize the region." Yeah. But there's not the political will in Ottawa or Washington to carry through on that, and you just say, "Nah, all right, we're done." Yeah. Like di- dictators toppled, let's walk away. Yeah, that like, is not a winning not strategy. Appetite
0: for a 20-year war of occupation, like. Arguably, um, well, I mean, arguably there is because we've been in Afghanistan about that long by now. <laughs> Not to say like. there's an
2: appetite, but in <laughs> we're, we're a little off track. Yeah. Um, arguably in Libya, this wasn't required. Some some basic nation building after the fact would have went a long way, and because they did, like that wasn't nothing done. Yet. No, it, it wasn't done. Uh, it was topple and run, and so the topple happened, and there was prospects of stability and backing, you know. Western favorable allies and things like that, and they just they didn't do it um, because of hawks or anti-war, I guess doves. That's the other one, yeah. On <laughs> the other bird, because of canaries. There's Two types of birds, <laughs> canary Because of the uh, the anti-war canaries, um, who said like war, we we can't we can't spend you know a minute longer than we need to in the country, and so let's let's flee at first chance. And that's not a winning strategy yeah and so sure. when you talk about these conflicts and you talk about you know the military's take on these conflicts you have to remember that the military is not in charge of these conflicts that the military doesn't get Harjisa John is though. to execute <laughs> the it, architect to execute, <laughs> to execute the architect of the saudi arms deal the yeah, operations that they want that these operations are fundamentally politically led yeah. and politically driven Factoring in, you know, domestic situations, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So the military, you know, has better strategies, but they rarely get employed. Yeah.
0: Hard to, use to John. I just want to say, is the final boss like he's gonna like turn <laughs> around at <laughs> the swivel chair at the end? That's
2: actually something we can discuss. Is oh, a uh, still a lot of gossip about uh, oh whether
0: he's gonna get turfed as defense minister. Not only him,
2: but um, cabinet shuffle generally.
0: Yeah. He had them in January. It's not that long ago. And I feel like if you make those chairs very warm, people tend to get uncomfortable and don't focus on their
2: jobs. So one thing to consider is that two cabinet ministers are doing double duty still. Yeah. Um, we
0: might grow. I think that's probably reasonable to take, like, <coughs> some jobs. I'd be surprised to see, like, a major shuffle, personally
1: feel like there was a lot of speculation and rumors about this like, two, three in months spring, ago in June, uh, kind yeah. of thing, in April, May, June. And then it just kind of all died, and it was like... Uh, it persists. I mean, here in Ottawa, you guys probably hear a lot more of it than in Vancouver, where we had our own kind of shit to focus yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> you guys are So pretty pretty we kind of like stopped paying attention to the rest of Canada. I looked at Alberta hard. every once in a while and went, that's a shit show. <laughs> Screw the rest of Eastern Canada, because...
0: I mean, this isn't even Eastern Canada. This is Central Canada. Yeah. That's the debate we can have another day.
2: <laughs> so I believe it's Bardish Chagger and uh, Natural Resources Minister Carr who are still doing double the duty. The most
0: invisible man in government also. Is Carr? Yeah, I find you just don't, like, hear a lot from him. Like I'm sure he's doing, like, a fine job. Which, That's I mean, sometimes like, a very good Yeah, sign. no, exactly. Like, I think if you're no. a Natural Resources Minister, like, why would you want to be in the Considering like, there's major pipeline yeah, things exactly. <laughs> like, going on yeah. and, like, other if things. If you're invisible, like, like great awesome like you want your environment minister to be in the news you want the finance minister to be in the news you want like infrastructure Infrastructure that kind kind of thing like yeah you want those people to be in the news there are some people like if they're in the news it's because something has gone terribly terribly let's keep health in the background yeah public safety (laughs) like that kind of thing it's like uh and I, i would maintain that your your high profile stint at uh public safety is when something went terribly terribly wrong no, <laughs> not at all. No, when you guys were pushing, yeah uh, that was a great year legislatively. The best bill ever. It so was a do great all. year legislatively. <laughs> yeah, you got all done. <coughs> you got all done. Um, yeah, no, that's a good point though. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, I personally, I'm pretty skeptical. I don't, I don't think we'll see a big shuffle by the end of the year.
2: By the end of the year, that's the timeline, not the end of the summer.
0: Well, I mean, like if he was gonna do one, it would either be like at the beginning of the session or at the end of the session, God, or I'm, sitting rather. I'm really sure.
2: gonna love if Laurent just gets this wrong and there's like a shuffle tomorrow, and I can just yeah, well, That'd be amazing before this is up. Even throw like, these, throw these words, well, even that, like as we're there was like the a <laughs> yeah. social
0: election like a couple months ago when we were like watching. It was like oh, it looks like it's gonna be a minority. Like three hours later, oh no, it's majority. Again. No, oh it's well, boring. No. yeah, it yeah, was bad. really disappointing. That yeah. was disappointing.
2: Um, yeah, so one of the one of the things timing wise that a lot of people are watching is the cabinet caucus retreats yes. are in late summer, early yeah. September. Uh so people are wondering, like if it happens, it's gonna happen before I think it's September sixth or so. It was scheduled for Kelowna. Uh the liberal one was. I'm not mm. sure if they're moving it because of The Fires. It'd the fires, be, the province being on right. fire and smog as well. I mean it won't
0: be by then though, basically. <coughs> like or fires don't last out. I mean, I grew up in the northwest too. It's like Fires don't typically last into September.
2: Climate change. Yeah, true. Yeah, lot, true. yeah, a lot of fires.
0: Yeah, I'd be surprised. Anyway. Both by fires and uh, cabinet shuffles.
1: But the conservatives haven't appointed their shadow cabinet, though. Sheer hasn't, right? Yeah. He's House sort of he's, he's appointed some like a gender diverse House <laughs> leadership.
2: leadership team. Um, yeah. So Sheer, uh appointed basically the top five i I don't know the exact number
0: brad
2: trost right back on the back benches the the top five uh people most notably lisa wright was put in as deputy leader uh generally a pretty solid choice she's considered to be a very good performer great at question period
0: everyone respects her too
2: um very well respected within ottawa she's like a master's in chemical engineering not engineering chemical something chemistry i think is the name of that field (laughs) chemical science um, so she's, she's very well respect, respected, all around, smart, smart, yeah. consistent performer. Um, and she also brings in some of the East Coast vibe that is lacking. <laughs> from yeah, from,
0: right from Milton, Ontario, the heart of the Maritimes.
2: <laughs> brings in some of the East Coast vibe that is I, lacking I, I, sorry, from the Conservative I, I, Caucus. I'm sorry, I like
0: Lisa Raitt, but like, I find this whole, like, I'm a Maritimer shtick like, kind of great. <laughs> I'll be honest. It's a bit much.
1: And so they're possibly just waiting for the Liberals to announce their cabinet before? Um, or a possible cabinet shuffle before coming forward a Shadow s- So
2: Shadow Cabinet is something they'll announce just before the parliamentary session takes up again in mid-September uh, because they're right now, it just gives sheer extra time to so, talk to people, see what they want to do, plan it out, oh, yeah. make sure you have the right team in place.
0: So a big question is the degree to which Bernier will be involved because that, they've sort of was, launched they're like, not in any their, like visibly sharpening a <laughs> knife Initiative and in like, what are they calling it
2: again? Uh, Conservative Futures. Thank you. Uh, so, some of the ex Bernier camp uh, launched a website like the Libertarian. <laughs> Laurent is going to have some nice things to say on this. I love Libertarian. Uh, libertarian, like, <laughs> think tanky website uh, called Conservative Futures. I believe Aaron O'Toole was actually pretty vocal in, crit- uh, yeah, in criticizing was. it, yeah. saying, like, this is sort of fomenting dissent within the party. We really need to focus on unity. Um, and then Maxim Bernier also wedged Shear a little bit by going on the record and saying he wanted to be finance minister. Or not finance right, minister, yeah. but uh, finance, critic. finance critic. And so the question is, and the thing to watch here will be, does Shear acknowledge and respect the 49% of the party that voted for Maxime?
0: My guess is no, personally. Or does he... Why am I going on the record with all these predictions? This is insanely <laughs> yeah. dumb. That's much better. This is insanely <laughs> dumb. Oh God, I'm setting myself up to fail here. But no, I don't think it's gonna happen. Also, can I just say like Why? That, the conservative? Okay, first of all, let yeah, me you just, can't just say no. You no. have to you have to give a rationalization. Just, let, me just, let me just. Okay, first of all, shear Harper guy, Harper Harper loyalty, visibly sharpening knives in view of the leader, not loyalty. Shear doesn't like it. Boom. There's my. There's your justification. There's my justification.
2: So, where does do you think he gets knocked out entirely or just to some mid-level industry
0: or some shit, I don't know. Uh it really I think he's going to have to have a frank conversation with him and be like, "Look, like do you want to be in the tent or do you want to be outside the tent?" Because those are your options. Like you can't be like fine this isn't the Martin shit doesn't fly anymore. You can't be like sitting there being finance critic or minister while at the same time actively plotting to get rid of the leader. Like parties are more centralized now. Like, it's just, it doesn't work. <coughs> like, Martin was able to do that because he had his own independent power base in the party. Bernier doesn't. Like, he has a lot of support in the base, but that does not matter for the conservative party. Did he
1: get any caucus endorsements, Bernier? Yes,
2: he did. A couple. A couple.
0: Yeah. And they are the people, the sort of, like, goon squad around him doing the conservative futures thing. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, <coughs> Excuse me. I'm a little sick this week. The, uh, so the thing to watch there is also that... Shear only has two years to campaign. Yeah. Or, sorry, two years to the election. And so, post election, if Shear doesn't grow the base, yeah. I think generally the knives will be out for him, anyways. And that's sort of what Bernier is prepping for. Bernier is prepping for a leadership post, bad with numbers, 2019 is the next one. So, post 2019, that's sort of his play is yeah. put me in finance. And I'm also going to continue building my yeah. coalition but like, whilst in...
0: But, like, what is Sheer's incentive there?
2: Right? To, like, Sheer's incentive is to try and balance the forces within the party. Yeah. To say, like, Bernier had a lot of support. He fundraised a lot of money. These are people we want on side with us going into the next election. We don't want Bernier's camp and some of the libertarians. Some of the libertarians are young people who have never voted conservative before. Yeah. Um, so we want them in our broad tent coalition. We can't build a broad conservative Harper-esque maybe coalition. Maybe it's just my dream that I want all the libertarians, the libertarians. to go the deserts
0: to build a perfect <coughs> utopia there. I think
1: the smarter strategy is, at chance, keep the libertarians from causing shit. Like, try to yeah. keep them on side. Keep them friendly. Do that. Will she do it? I don't know. I yeah, feel like if to... he goes more on the Harper, like, fuck my enemies. Yeah. They can go exile in backbenches. Yeah, and,
0: they, and honestly, like I, I think it would just bring me... like Maybe it's just wishful thinking to watch all the libertarians get outcast, but... Uh, it's also just
1: more exciting to watch a party implode.
0: Yeah, it is fun, right? It has a certain entertainment value that... Can't especially be. when you're not going to vote for yeah, it. Yeah, and especially when libertarians... You know, for me, just anything where it's like libertarians getting dunked on or, you know, owned in any way is just really balm to my soul, so...
2: Can I lend you my copy of The Fountainhead on your way out tonight? I'm
0: not going to take it. It's, uh, I mean, I, I could use a doorstop, but... It's, uh, anyway, uh, I think that'll do it for, for this special episode, summer edition of The Boys in Short Pants. Ian, thanks so much for joining us once again. Yeah,
1: thanks to both for having me.
2: Do you want to give a shout out to the uh, your hobbies and pastimes? Your radio sure. show of sorts?
1: Yeah, you can find me on Politicoast if you want to hear more about BC politics. It's what I spend most of the time there talking about. Although so much to talk about now, it's, it's fun. so busy. And then yeah. one episode, it was like the night that John Horgan went to the Governor General's office or Lieutenant Governor's office, and we're like, "Let's call up uh Stephen Carter from the Old Strategist podcast right. and let's talk about Alberta politics for half an See, hour." <laughs> and that was amazing. You on. haven't gotten Stephen Carter? No, we haven't gotten oh. one. Yet. Gotta send a message again. Yeah, send a message.
0: Yeah, Stephen carter uh, I mean, boys in short pants.
1: But we talk a bit about federal politics, so that's all where half-decent podcasts are found and iTunes, all that kind of stuff, or politicos.ca, pod on hey, Twitter.
0: Speaking of where good podcasts are found, isn't the, what's this called, SoundCloud, like, shutting down relatively soon?
1: That rumor goes around every, yeah. like, We're going to look into months. that.
0: We're going to look into that, because that would be bad <laughs> if, we, if we lost all our episodes. Anyway, folks, thanks so much for listening this week, uh, and we will see you uh, relatively soon.
2: Yeah, probably early September.
0: Probably early September, according to Etienne. Bye, everyone. <laughs>